lot of studies that it, that through uh, over the last like 10 or 15 years have shown that, you know, the ways and it's more so not surprisingly, it happens more with fathers, but it does happen, you know, with a lot of moms will talk with far more emotional language with daughters than they do sons. Yeah. And a lot of dads will like what you were talking about, you know, they they respond much more positively when their sons are showing no right? Like a blank, a blank kind of, you know, continence with, with, with no emotion. Yeah. Fathers respond more positively to that. Yeah. You know, if the son is competing and there's more of a grimace, you know, there's more of kind of negative emotion. Yeah. Fathers respond to that. Yeah. Um, and, and then with crying, you know, there, there was a really great study done that showed that um, fathers, fathers of toddlers were far more likely to respond to their daughters when they cried and their brains would 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 light up when they when their when their daughters smiled yeah. and they were far less likely to respond to the sons when they cried yeah. and and their brains their brains brains lit up when their yeah. sons had that blank visage mm, man so what oh, man. this is i mean i mean my god this is this is what so many little boys are getting yeah and and so often we think you know understandably with a lot of the discussion around toxic masculinity um you know, of course, there's a lot of behaviors we want to change. Absolutely. And as, as well, we should. Yeah. But one of the things we never talk about is that no boy asked for this. Right. Right. No, no male child, no child who identifies as male was born yeah. asked for this. This is yeah. what boys are handed. Taking Off The Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you've joined us. Today's guest is Andrew Reiner. And I guess I probably should tell you right now uh, why it may sound different where I'm at. I just left the workshop here at a school called PPEP. Uh, I'm in Yuma, Arizona. Uh, actually, I'm in a city called Summerton, which is right outside of Yuma in the Yuma County. And this is a border town here in Arizona to the Mexico border. And I met some boys and some young men in this trip who are trying to figure it out too. Wherever we go around the country, around the world, we see men and boys trying to figure it out the best they can. I am so glad to be inviting Andrew to be a part of the podcast. He's an author of Better Boys, Better Men. Uh, and in this conversation, we talk about how boys get socialized to not deal with their feelings in a healthy way. We talk about those early messages that happen from the womb as soon as they're born, how we talk to them, how we nurture them, the words we choose to say to them, it's so powerful. If you ever heard Tony Porter's uh, TED talk, he talked about about boys knowing that by the age of five that they should not be crying in public. And by the time they're seven, they should never do it. Or there's a problem. I know my experience of growing up faster and earlier than I was um, prepared to being the man of the house at seven years old, you may have similar experiences for yourself or people you know. This work that we're talking about travels around communities, around cultures. And what I'm hoping that you get in this conversation with Andrew is a man who is trying to figure it out as well as, a, as an author writing words on paper about it, but also living those words in his own life. My invitation is that you share this episode with someone. 
You share our last episode with someone. You tell somebody how you found it. Maybe go and make a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, anywhere where you listen to podcasts, and let folks know that you're finding value in these conversations. There's so many boys and men who need to know that they have permission to feel. Because what I heard a middle schooler say to me this morning is that we learn to repress our emotions. An eighth grader. Oh, there's there's a there's a light coming in the world today when middle schoolers are talking about repressing emotions. And maybe I shouldn't be so shocked that a middle schooler used the word repress emotions. But I was juiced and I was fired up and it doesn't happen often. I hope that you're enjoying these conversations with men and young men and boys talking about their masks. And I'm looking forward to you being a part of what's coming next forever forward. Listen, if this is March 1st, so I'm making this, this intro right now on March 1st. This episode is airing today. Tomorrow, there's a big announcement on an ever forward club world. So if you are a follower of our work, please go check it out tomorrow. There's a huge announcement coming and I'm excited or what's going to happen with the Million Mask Movement and our work. And you are going to see some of the fruits of the labor we've been putting in tomorrow. So stay tuned. Please check it out. And we look forward to you being a part of this work in any way possible. Talk to you real soon. Have a great day. And I look forward to you being a part of this movement with us. Take care, everybody. Welcome to the King of the Mass podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you joined us. Uh, today's guest is Andrew Reiner. He's an author, he's a professor. He's, he's going to tell you all about it, but I, I'm just really glad to be in this conversation today. And we have um, been trying to make this happen for a while, and so I'm super excited. We've been um, making connection in time and schedules, and right here in early 2022, we get the chance to talk. So, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ashanti. It's it's an honor to be here. I love your work. Well, thank you, man. Well, I you know when I saw your book, I learned about your book on Instagram. I mean, on LinkedIn, and I was like, oh man. I started like reading, listening to your talks about the book, and I was like, oh, I want to have a conversation with him. And I really appreciate you for connecting back with our team. And would you tell yeah. us tell us about yourself a little bit, and then you know I have already kind of started the conversation, so we're gonna jump back into it. But I, but I wanted to make sure. You get a proper introduction. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So, you know, as you said, Ashanti, you know, I, 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 I teach, you know, this is one of the things I teach, a, a course called uh, The Changing Face of Masculinity. And I've been teaching that now, man, I've been teaching it probably to, off and on about 10 or 12 years. Um, been writing about it a lot. Um, uh, and, and my book really is a springboard. Um, from the course, um, because what happened was um, I had done this piece for the New York Times back in 2016, and it really completely leaned into everything I teach and talk about, you know, in this course and and really everything, the, the, you know, as sometimes happens with pieces, you know, it went viral, got a lot of traction. And so that really was the genesis of the book. But, you know, really for me, I mean... You know, and I say this, no hyperbole whatsoever. My whole life has been a pitched battle to to find my way as a man with a masculinity that felt like it was the wardrobe that I needed to wear and not the one that somebody was going to tell me what I had to wear. 
Mm. You know? Yeah. And that in my whole life, I've when I'm looking back, when I started working on this book and, and when my son was born, that was a really big part of it too. When my son was born, he's now 10. Um, it was this confluence, you know, of that piece taken off in the New York Times, um, editors and agents, you know, getting in touch. And as often happens when you write a piece like that and they'll say, hey, let's do a book, you know, and, and you, you can't always just say, oh, yeah, sure, let's just do a book. But my son, my son was a few years old at that time. And I mean, it really was this huge reckoning for me when my child, when my son was born. Um, I had so many mixed feelings. When, 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 when my wife gave birth and we found out it was a boy, I had so many, so many mixed feelings, you know, and because like I said, my whole life had been a pitch battle against a kind of masculinity that just never felt like the right fit for me. So, um, so the combination of my son being born and that was probably the biggest impetus. And then, and then the book, just everything just really started crystallizing you know, because of those two big kind of that big confluence of those two streams coming together. And, and it's really, it's just really shaped my path so much. Oh man. Well, I'm excited for us to talk about, to, say the name of the book again, say the name of it. Sure. It's called um, Better Boys, Better Men, yeah. The New Masculinity That Creates Greater Courage and Emotional Resiliency. Yeah. I always just call it Better Boys, Better Men. It's a lot shorter. No, but that's it. and I think that's when I saw it. I, I mean, I just got really inundated with that because I think part of our work around this is how do we support better boys to become better men? Like I think that ultimately, exactly. you know, in my work, I've learned that, and definitely I started off as a, a when in this work as a teacher, I realized, yeah, you know, I can try and talk to some older guys my age, knowing that they're so they have all these years of really being really set in their ways, right? Yeah. Set right. in their beliefs, set in their, the way they see the world. Do I have energy for that? Or do I want to like start where it begins? Right. And even when yeah. I was a high school teacher, you think that's starting early enough. I realized that my high school freshmen were coming in. They had already believed certain things about themselves, about the world, about how it should work. And I'm like, Oh, we got to start earlier, but I'm not going to change my job to go try and, so the work of Ever Forward started in high school, then it went down to middle school, and then realizing sixth graders come in already believing certain things and That's even right. younger, right? So I think That's it right. starts from from the womb, right? The the early stages of that journey of right, even comes out even before, right? Oh, I mean, Ashanti, I could I could easily spend an hour just talking about what you what you just what you just brought up now, man. I mean, it literally does. I've got a whole chapter in the book, which is really for my money, one of the most important. It's called How We Talk to Boys. Mm. And that's exactly right. It literally starts when they come out of the womb before they've yeah. even got their language. Because they're already being talked to by their parents, that's right. by a parent or parents, and maybe even grandparents and other relatives in ways that you know, that they didn't ask for. Right, and in ways right, that, right. that they're already getting these strong messages, what they're being told, what they're not being told yeah. are both equally powerful and sending this message about, you know, about, you know, the message really often boils down to you are really not an emotional being <laughs> and we are not going to respond to you in a, in a, in a positive way right. when you come, when you, when you come at us, with these strong feelings ooh, ooh, and it really, it really does. So many of the messages we send boys yeah. ways, again, we talk to them in the ways we don't talk to them. Yeah. 
send a very profound message that they never see coming, which is very much that, that your emotions and the rest of you are two separate parts. Oh boy. And, they are, and, 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 and we are, and we are not going to encourage you to integrate these. And a yeah. lot of, a lot of parents, Ashante are still sending that message and they're not even aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way you said it. Like we're not going to respond to you positively <laughs> when you display <laughs> those emotions, right? Cause we're going to respond. We're going right. to respond, respond right. with shame. We're going to respond yep. with, with, making you feel belittled. We're going to respond yep. with making you feel like you can't be identifying as the body you're in because the people in the body you in would never act like that. Like we, we're going to create a, a structure that conforms you. Right. Even with That's that. Right. And I think that, I mean, I think you've probably seen plenty of the, the shows where the, the parent, they do a, a scenario with a baby and the parent, the parent just turns off their, emo the baby's laughing with the parent, the parent all of a sudden turns off the emotion. The yep. baby's like, uh, what just happened here, right? Like, exactly. Like, even before they, there's even words, they're just, they're like, That's what right. happened to the emotion of this person? Like, uh, there's no smile. And they pick up on the cues so fast. And you imagine when, the, when they can't even understand you if they can pick up on the cues. What happens when they know what words mean how much they pick up on them? Exactly. That's exactly right. And there, I mean, and that's one of the things that, I, you know, I really lean into in this chapter on how we talk to boys, you know, because is, is that there, there are a lot of studies actually on this. And, and there are a lot of studies that, it, that through uh, over the last like 10 or 15 years have shown that, you know, the ways, and it's more so not surprisingly, it happens more with fathers, but it does happen you know, with a lot of moms will talk with far more emotional language with daughters than they do sons. Yeah. And a lot of dads will like what you were talking about, you know, they, they respond much more positively when their sons are showing no, right. Like a blank, a blank kind of, con you know, continence with, with, with no emotion. Yeah. Fathers respond more positively to that. Yeah. You know, if the son is competing and there's more of a grimace, you know, this more of kind of negative emotion, yeah. fathers respond to that. Yeah. Um, and and then with crying, you know, there, there was a really great study done that showed that um, fathers, uh, fathers of toddlers were far more likely to respond to their daughters when they cried and their brains would 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 light up when they, when their when their daughters smiled yeah. and they were far less likely to respond to the sons when they cried. And and their brains their brains brains lit up when their yeah. sons had that blank visage. Mm, man, so what oh, man. This is I mean I mean my God this is this is what so many little boys are getting. Yeah. And and so often we think, you know, understandably with a lot of the discussion around toxic masculinity, um, you know, of course there's a lot of behaviors we want to change. Absolutely, and as as well we should. Yeah. But one of the things we never talk about is that no boy asked for this. Right, right. No, no male child, no child who identifies as male was born yeah. and asked for this. This yeah. is what boys are handed. Yeah. And I imagine in your work, you said a word that, I've, that I heard and I want to say it out loud. What I've found in, my, in, this com in these conversations around these masks, around masculinity, is that anytime you use the phrase toxic masculinity, some men will hear you say, men are toxic. That's right. And, I, and I've always, I mean, what I've decided to do is I just barely, I just don't, I just steer away from that. And I say, yep. 
Well, because if you can't, if you're going to lose the message in that, but ultimately the sad part is it's easy to conflate it, right? It's like, oh, you're trying to say men are toxic. Who are you? Are you, are you not? A, like, I think it becomes a, a way to distract from the real conversation. And then sadly, unfortunately. That's right. And I it think does. That, That's a, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Please. No, no, no. I would just say. I imagine. Yeah, you, you're you're the writer. You're the author, right? So I imagine you've had plenty of people who have said, "Oh, you're trying to say men are bad. You're trying to say men are like right because we take what we take what the historical rules around manhood were, bring them to today, and we're we sometimes lose the fact that some of those behaviors we don't need to operate like that anymore. You know. That's right. That's right. And and there's really two sides to that. There's on the one side there there are a lot of men who like you said, reflexively get really defensive. And what they hear is, <coughs> what they hear is, sorry, my dogs are, are acting up. What they hear is, they do, they hear all men are toxic. And in all fairness to that conversation, even though I don't agree with that, yeah. there also is, and I find myself kind of stepping in a lot on social media with this, there are a lot of messages that, to be honest, are coming from a lot of often younger women that where they are saying all masculinity oh, yeah. is toxic. Yeah, yeah. And and so what happens is, you know, yeah. then I have to sometimes step in and say, look, you know, if you don't mind me saying, it's not productive yeah. to kind of be, and this is where a lot of these these yeah. men, we don't want to encourage them yeah. to say, oh yeah, well, everybody's saying all you know, everything masculine is toxic. We don't want to encourage these guys That's right. That's right. to have that mindset. And so when you say that, you know, all, all, all masculinity is toxic. Well, we're going down a slippery slope. That's right. So, you know, so the work that you and I are doing and, and, and we're kind of in the middle, you know, Yeah. Yeah. and, and, and we're trying to help people, you know, see the light that, you know, that, that the conversation really, you know, coming at it from, from both sides, we really sometimes do need to get in the middle and say, hold on here. Let's, let's have just a little bit of context because we're losing context. And That's I feel right. like the conversation around that term loses context because I think we would both agree that there there is merit, you know, yeah. to this conversation around this term. Yeah. The problem is, you know, it's it's not always being used with um with a lot of care. Yeah. And with yeah. a lot of context and a lot of compassion either. That's right. Um, I'm with you there. I and I think that one of the things we've tried to do in this work is to say to to teachers, parents, adults, fathers, community workers, coaches, like people we were working with that look, however you decide to put a title around or a name on it, let's just get clear about what behaviors are out there and how they're showing up in the world. Right. And if we get really simple, we talk like we're talking to toddlers. (laughs) There are things that men are doing that are probably caused by how they were trained. And then we're shocked as if that they did it because they're in that body of theirs. Right. Right. And how do we just make it really plain and simple? Like why are there 94% men in our prisons mm-hmm. Are men nine times as bad as women protect particularly, or were there trainings that happened when you were younger that said, shut off all these parts of your feelings of your heart, of your humanness, be a monster, be a beast, yep. be a machine, <laughs> right? All yeah. the words we give boys to be strong, tough, badass, right? And yep. then we wonder yep. how they can be not feeling when they've done something hurtful. 
Well, it's not. It wasn't how they started. It was almost how they were trained. That's right. That's is, right. And yeah, and I think that's a great point. And you know, is um, one in one of the chapters where I talk about boys in education, I I I, I there's I talk about this great program you probably heard of and um, called Becoming a Man. Bam, yeah. out of Youth Guidance, right? Yep. Yep. Fantastic program. Yeah. So I was out, I was out in the South side of Chicago visiting one of their schools and one of their mentors, I got, I was lucky enough to spend time with him, super guy, Anthony. And he was telling me about, um, how with, um, so many, you know, so many of the young men, you know, that are coming in and doing this, this class every week of becoming a man, um, they're, they're coming in and it's like you said, you know, and this is true of all boys, regardless of, of age, of race, of socioeconomics, they are coming in with training that, that they are oblivious to so often, so often. Yeah. yeah. And so, and one of the, mm. one of the great stories Anthony was telling me, um, he said, you know, I was talking to a prison guard who works in, you know, in juvie. And he said, <clears throat> you know, one of the things he, that he often says to these guys is, you know, if we could go back in time, and you could change one decision that you made on the spur of the moment because mm. your brain is still young and it hasn't formed and you have not matured yet, you would not be here. Mm. And I think and I think that that for a lot of young men, I think there's a lot of truth to it. Not all young men, but I think for a lot yeah. of young men, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. Because they often get get caught up in something and they don't understand why everybody is getting so worked up about it. Now I'm not talking mm. about murder. You know, I'm not talking about the extremes, but I'm talking about other kinds of behaviors yeah. that sometimes teachers will call boys out for. Yeah. And and sometimes they just don't get it. And it's yeah. not because they're stupid. It's because it's because this is, as you said, you know, this is the script they were handed. This is yeah. what's expected of them. The rest the rest of the of, of their life, this is what's being encouraged to behavior in them. And so when they come to environments, you know, where the rules change. Yeah. It's very hard. And a lot of people don't realize that for, especially for boys and young men, that it's not that we should excuse behavior mm. that, that is not acceptable, but it's that we should try to have much more context about where it's coming from, because I think that we could do a better job of then recalibrating and saying, what can I do to help this boy or this young man mm. so that he will become much more aware? Yeah. And so, you know, the kinds of work that you're doing, the kind of work that they're doing in, you know, in programs like Becoming a Man, it's helping these boys and young men to suddenly say, oh, my God, yeah. there's another way I can see myself. That's right. And that's, that's why right. this is such profoundly important work. Yeah. Because it helps them come to this conclusion themselves. And I think that one of the things I'm excited for us to jump into the masks, I think that what I get excited about this topic, so I've, I've normally... We start with the mask, but this was already part of the the fuel that added to <laughs> right. us finally connecting. Right. I think one of the things we try and do, like you talked about earlier, is like, how do we get people to connect the head and the heart? I think that that is yes. part of the work, right? Like, Everything. If, if I get up in front of you and I'm going to tell you, here's some data, here's some numbers, here's some statistics, and I don't get you to a place of feel, you your intellectual part will begin to either question, challenge, or debate the intellectual part that I'm giving you. Yeah. But if I can help you get to a feeling about how these behaviors have affected you, 
how they've affected your family, how they have affected your community, then it's it's all a little harder for you to um, you can always deny it, but it's harder to deny it when you felt it. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's right. Oh, my little brother, my cousin, my nephew, my father. Oh yeah, I noticed how they acted, how they operated, how they um, how they lived, because we know that men want to connect. We we I've talked to hundreds of men. They want to be able to connect, but they know there's yeah. consequences. There's there's potential betrayal. There's potential worry, and then, and if you're afraid to to experience the betrayal of love and care and heartfelt connection, you may run from it because you're That's maybe. Right. So I think I'm excited that we get to jump into our own. You and I connecting even deeper. Like I think I already feel connected in this in this work, yeah. but this mask allows us to like go a little deeper, right? And how do That's we right. create these conversations that are more normal, that are not like it's a special meeting and a time and a schedule and a conversation around a mask, as opposed to just like meeting somebody and saying, Hey, how you doing? And they answer you for real. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you, and right. And you get, you get a straight up response. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly right. And, yeah. and, you know, I'm sure you've had the same experience when you get that real response, how powerful and how honored you feel. Yeah. You know, it's so powerful and it just feels it's, you know, I, I always just feel, and I'm sure you do too, so honored yeah. when another guy yeah. will give me a straight up answer in terms of yeah. how he's really doing. Because yeah. I'll, I'll always give it, I'll always give it back. Always. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's, but it's a really powerful thing. Um, and uh, can, if I could just say real quickly, you know, one of the, I still struggle with this, you know, finding this in my male friendships big time. Big time. I still struggle finding this. And one of the things I write about in the book, Ashanti, is this chapter on men and vulnerability. And I went up to this, this medium security prison in Massachusetts. Mm. I was sitting in this group called Jericho Circle, okay. which is basically men's groups in the prison. Yeah. And I left from just being there one session. And I left there feeling closer to these guys, mm. you know, these guys on the inside that were doing this program after one session, I felt closer to them than I have, I have felt to many friends I've had for many decades mm. because they, they were willing to be courageous yeah. to, to, to sit in that circle and be accountable and to own their emotional truth. Yeah. And that was, as you know, that is such a powerful thing. And it's so liberating for men when they can get to the point that they can that, that they can be in that circle, be accountable to the circle on themselves, and bear witness. Yeah, it was just it was such a powerful thing. And so, you know, I have spent ever since that experience. I mean, I basically have, you know, been looking for that. Mm. And then, well, I mean, I, and maybe I ask this a question now before we jump into the mask is. A, as you think back to that experience, do you think it was more of um, what you saw was possible if men really gave themselves permission and room and space and safety to take off those emotional masks? Or was it that you experienced it as well? Or was it a mixture of both? Um, for me... For me, it wasn't revelatory because, you know, my entire adulthood has been, you know, me trying to to really get comfortable with and embrace my own emotional honesty. 
you know, whether or not I can always, you know, share it with other men. Yeah. For me, I just, I just knew that I had to liberate myself and it mm. really is a form of liberation for men. Yeah. Um, so for me, it, it wasn't so much revelatory because I knew that sitting in the circle, that if these men were going to do that kind of work, you know, I knew that I could, I could meet them there. Um, I just wanted to see, I just wanted to see how powerful this could be, you know, in this, in this particular circle in the prison. I think, I think it's what you said, the first part of it, the former part of it. I think it's that when men feel safe and it's all about feeling safe and that they've got permission, when men feel safe and that they've got permission, they can do that work. And, uh, you know, as I'm sure, you know, it's a lot easier to get boys to do that because, you know, the, 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 the layers of callus, there aren't as many of them. But, but I do think that when men are in a space yeah. where they're with other guys that they respect and that they want their respect of and that they know that it's safe and that they've got permission from these other guys they respect, I think a lot of men will take that chance. Mm, what a great visual. The layers of callus. That it builds is, up, man. That builds That's up exactly on the heart, right? That causes yeah, exa to, it's exactly right. Causes us to feel that we can't speak. Like, nope, can't say that, can't say that, can't say that. You got to go through all the filters of what can be said. <laughs> yep. How many times you rewrite the text trying to give your friends <laughs> some encouragement? You're like, okay, I can't say that. Or how, how many times have I, have I written, written the text? Right? I'm like, oh, no, I can't say that. That sounds too, okay. Uh, Nah, that's gonna be taken the wrong way. No, and then you're just like 20 minutes later, you're like, send the stupid text, right? You're like, like gosh, you know. But um, okay. Well, this is, uh, and I think that if we create more of these, my my goal with this podcast has been to help men and boys and men of all ages. Our youngest guest on the podcast was 13, right? And oh, wow. my mentor, who's in the 60s, who was also on the podcast. This idea of like, how do we make sure that all men recognize that we can do it. I think we want to do it and to begin looking and being aware of the spaces where we can, where we can, where we can go and do that, whether it's one friend, whether it's a circle of men, whether it's a club at a middle school, BAM or Ever Forward Club. That's what we try and create for those young men because we know that once they find it and they let go of some of that steam, that bag, they, they drop some of the chains that they've been carrying around like, like loads on them they can see farther. They can That's right. dream bigger. And I think uh, they feel the world is more able to be navigated yeah. through, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and, and I, and I really do think that really that's what it boils down to is, you know, it's, we have to, there isn't one right way, you know, for all men. I mean, it's, you know, as you know, in working, especially with boys, you've got to meet them where they are. Yeah. And so when it comes to doing this kind of work, you know, with boys, with young men, with older men, I absolutely, and I don't think I'm being, you know, naive by saying this, you know, from all the research I've done and so many boys and men I've talked to for the research for the book. And, and since then, I think that, <coughs> excuse me, I think that um, they can and will do the work, but you first have to, you've got to meet them where they are. Yeah. And, it, and, and it's got to be, as you said, maybe it's one-on-one -on -one in the beginning. You know, maybe it's just, you know, with a group of guys that they already know. Or, or for some guys, it's more comfortable with a complete group of strangers. Yeah. But it's, 
the important thing I think for a lot of men, and, and it's okay that they don't even realize this, yeah. um, it's that they just, again, you know, they need to feel safe yeah. and they need to feel that they've got permission. That's right. Because when they feel that they've got the permission and they see other guys that they respect modeling this, yeah, they will step up or yeah. they will at least try to step up in their own time. That's right. Yeah. Man, oh man, see this. We we we're gonna get to these masks. I promise, folks. I promise. <laughs> but I want to say this. One of the things, you know, I've been on a men's team for ten years. So, and actually, now twelve years. Two thousand ten is when I started. Um, time was going really fast, and I've seen many different type of first time men come right. And one of the things yeah. I've, I've 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 started thinking about when you were just saying what you said is when they finally give themselves that permission to to open up. When they finally say, "Oh, wait a minute, men are talking about real stuff here." I think I've seen some men come in that first meeting. They're like, this is amazing. And then they share. And in their own minds, they think probably, I'm like a projection because sometimes they don't come back, right? And I yeah. wonder sometimes do people have a, a vulnerability hangover, right? Where they're like, I just told those men something about me that I've never told anybody. I can't go back there again. As yep. opposed to like, and you wonder why they don't come back. You're like, oh, he had a breakthrough. He felt comfortable. He opened up. And then the man doesn't show up again. And you're like, what happened? Like he, yeah. and you realize sometimes that worry or that, that, that messaging or the, whatever, the, whatever it is, who knows what it is, right? But to realize when you have that breakthrough and realize, wow, there's a place I could do this. To think that, oh, they're going to judge me now. As opposed, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I wish I wish we had an answer for everyone who didn't come back, right? Like, what what happened? No. You know, you wonder. You know, that's what I. I, I know, and and I think you're right, Ashanti. I think I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's a vulnerability hangover. Yeah. You know, I I very much think it's that. You know, it's it's okay. Well, you know, I opened up in that moment, and um, you you know, because so many for so many guys throughout their lives, you know, there have been females that they felt that they could do that with. And, you know, if they even do it in front of men and they have that breakthrough, as you said, there's there very much is that after the fact of, wait a minute, you know, this isn't a, you know, there's not that deep sense of trust that, that you know, something's going to happen if I keep doing this with guys yeah. and God knows I can't go do it with my own buddies. Right. So, yeah. you know, what am I supposed to do? Because, you know, it's, it's that fear of, well, what's going to happen if I go back, you know, and. You know, of course, I think you're right. I think it is the vulnerability hangover. And I think that's all those realizations of, well, if I go back, I'm going to have to do this again. <laughs> and is this going to make me too weak? Is this going to make me too soft? Is this going to make me too depressed? Yeah. Right. You know, and then, and then a lot of guys. Yeah, right. What, exactly. What <laughs> <laughs> and, and then a lot of guys who are in these groups feel like, okay, well, great. So I can do it in behind the closed door with these guys but I can't do this in the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, man, it's just, these are the complexities, yeah. you know, the very real complexities of getting men, you know, through across that threshold. Right. Man. Well, let you, let you and I jump over the threshold with our masks and then we'll, all right. Let's well, do I'm, it. Sure they, I'm sure we could talk for hours and I'm, I'm uh, yes. I can already feel it. that This won't be the last conversation we have. And um, the way we do it Absolutely. for our guests is, you decide who goes first. Either I go first or you go first. And then um, whoever goes first will dictate whether, you know, we go front and back or front, front, back, back, however you want to do it. Okay. So why don't we do front if that's okay? okay. 
Great. And um, and I'm happy to go. Okay. I'm happy to go. I, I know it's uh, nobody likes going first. Um, <laughs> all right. So I mean, you, you know this. You've worked with kids long enough to know nobody likes to go first. All right. So on the front of my mask, on the front of my mask, it says um, positive, hopeful, and patient. And the image I drew, and it says Mr. Rogers. Nice, nice. The image I drew is is very much these these qualities that um, that I try to show the world, you know, mm. as much as I can. Um, and um, and it's Mr. Rogers because that's kind of what I think of, you know, who, right? I mean, just the endless the endless fountain of positivity and support. Um, and so that, that's not that I fancy myself as Mr. Rogers. I would never be so arrogant as to say, you know, as to think that, but, but that's who I think of when I think of kind of the embodiment of being hopeful and positive and patient, I think of him. Nice. Nice. Okay. All right. Not sure what I was drawing today, but this is, this is the, this is what I drew. (laughs) And this is the word I wrote, uh, dedicated, passion, and serious dedicated passion and serious and i think even just thinking about the 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 facial expression there is like okay like just like dead intent like intentional like like let's get things going um and sometimes i and and on this one i didn't put caring which is actually sometimes it, it gets me in trouble that my dedication my passion my seriousness kind of takes forefront but deep down, it's because I care so much, and I think that because I care so much, I'm, and because I have early messages about how much caring, what people think about being a big guy and being caring. So I, I usually caring is underneath it all, but it comes out as working hard, getting it done, focus, passion, serious, intense, right? Yep. And I think I started using, and, I, and I should, I'm going to add caring, but I think it's one of the ones I've been like, I think as a teacher, I, students would always at the end of my year surveys would be like, oh, he'd be yelling all the time. I'm like, yelling? <laughs> when do I be yelling? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't remember <laughs> right, yelling, right, you know? Because right, in my right. mind, I'm just like, I'm, I'm trying to get you to do your work. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing you. I'm encouraging <laughs> you. I'm motivating you. And students, all they were seeing was like, yeah, the serious, passionate, dedicated person and caring was so far down the list that they, they often didn't feel it, right? And I think that's yeah. when I learned, that's when, I, that's when Ever Forward was created in this work where I really started trying to bring the caring more to the front and I'm dedicated to your success. I'm passionate about education and learning. I'm serious sure. about you taking your life serious, but it's out of this place of care and that's where that's where it grew. So that's the that's a front, how I... I navigate sometimes the front of the mask. No, I appreciate I appreciate you unpacking that because you know I God I you know there's there's so many other adjectives I, I was just trying to keep it to the list of three, <laughs> but I know I you know caring of course is one of them for me too and the compassion and and the passion you know and it's but but you're right you know the caring the caring is one I feel like you know especially when you really does get missed a lot you know you know I find the same thing. You know, I, I work with with older kids in, at the college level, um, young people, but um, but I feel like it, you know that gets lost a lot. You know, it, it gets overlooked. Yeah. Um, so I, I I feel you. I really do because I, I experience that one too a lot. Oh man. Well, I, I, I'm excited. I mean, I think that 
and especially as a professor, right? Like, you know, as a teacher, like I have a role to play as a to get people to perform, to, to learn, to be able to demonstrate. And I think what I learned as the reason Ever Forward Club started was because I had teachers, I had students who were like, Yeah, yeah, you you know all this math, but do you know me? <laughs> yeah, like, right. Like you don't you don't right. know me. You don't care about me. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm here every day. I always I always do my homework. I grade my papers. I make tests. And they weren't they couldn't see it beyond that. I think for them that was the biggest piece. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm and I'm sure. And I'm sure it, it it I'm sure as you said at the end of the year that leaves you feeling uh you know curious and, and wondering if if they if they didn't completely, you know, miss all the times that you were, you know, bending over backwards for them. <laughs> Yeah, right. no, I think that that's what we're. That's, thank you for sharing the front. I really appreciate you sharing the front of your mask. And now, now we move to the the back. All right, which is right. the part that we often okay. don't talk about. Absolutely. So, um, so mine says, um, "Sad, frustrated, and scared." That's what mm. mine says. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, these are you know, these are some. Uh, Sad, frustrated, and scared just seems to be kind of, uh, you know, my MO a lot uh, for a while now. And, you know, you just, uh, um, you know, of course, you know, it's not something that, you know, we feel we can show the world. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and as you know, you know, there aren't a lot of places for guys where we can really um, kind of go there and yeah. really process that and, and really talk about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, uh, you know, uh, my wife and I are best friends, so that's great. You know, I can talk with my wife. And there actually is one older friend that I, uh, I developed a friendship with an older gentleman. And so he's probably the only friend I, uh, that, you know, we can go there, you know. And, and, and I think that even for him, having these kind of conversations, you know, was a big challenge. But I've kind of been getting him through the paces Nice. So now, you know, because he's struggling with loss. So it's so with this older gentleman, you know, I, we can you know, we can talk about this kind of stuff. It's great. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad he found it. I'm glad you found it because I think yeah. that that is so powerful. I think same thing, like whether it's a men's team of 20 or it's a men's team of two. Right. To have a space where you can like not have to have it under control, to not have to have it all figured that's out. Right. To, and that's I think right. that's, I think when we created this activity, when I saw those first young men in that documentary to do it, I, I didn't know what to expect. I was hoping it was going to work. And when it worked, my brain was like, what? And it was more yeah. like in the response to the emotions of to what they were feeling is how we've been making masks with people. And for my own self, you know, like today, here's, um, so thank you for sharing the back of your mask. I really appreciate those course, words. I, yeah. I resonate with and, and, uh, and here's the three for today. Um, I put anger, justice driven, and self doubt. Yeah. And I think you know today being you know I guess if I locate today in the in the world today is a, a Monday, but it's a Martin Luther King Day. And yep. I think one yep. of the things that you know I grew up you know in California. I grew up in a place where you know the world was very different than where my mom grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas, and and I, I, mm -hmm. I grew up with this idea that you know. Man, I can't believe people were treated like that. I can't believe that people yep. were talked to like that. And I can't. And I think that deep down, I've, I had I just stuffed it like the the sadness and fear and pain of those things because I lived in a place that didn't 
it didn't happen. And I grew up in a time where it had we had moved past it. But as so many things have been happening over the last several years of just a lot of oh, hate and, and a lot of yeah. just evil and a lot of my brain has just been like feeling angry, but like not knowing where to channel it, <laughs> like yep. Yep. not wanting to like, you know, the, the war, you know, and I want to jump on social media and be a ranter of, of, of my feelings of that stuff, but knowing that, and so knowing like, where can I go and process? And I think the, and maybe the self doubt is sometimes even when I think about like, I make videos sometimes where I'm like talking about whatever, and I'm like, maybe just for myself, right? But sometimes I'm making them thinking I'm going to share them and I don't share them. I'm like, nah, it's going to make somebody mad. And I go into self-doubt mode where I'm like, nah, no one cares about what you got to say. No one cares about your thoughts, right? And I think yeah. this morning, just realizing like some of my self-doubt is holding some of my dreams back, right? Some of my, my own, the dreams that I have, right? It's like, what is what is my real authentic voice? I can't make up a voice that's not in me, right? But I I think that some some of my my desire to help young people find their their voice, to find their yep. some of their, their their story in the midst of the madness, you know. So that's the absolutely that's, that's what's on the back today of the mask. Well, thank you, thank you for sharing yours. Thank you for 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 being so honest and transparent, Ashanti. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thanks yeah, for being. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and what you were just saying with the self doubt. You know, I don't know if, if you're this way, but. I don't do it enough, but, but there are a few people, you know, when I, when I think about my own self-doubt that I turn to, to try to get inspiration, Dr. King is actually one of those people because he was, man, God knows that that man was filled with self-doubt. How could he not be? Look at what he was doing. Yeah. Right. And the, and the constant blowback he was getting. And, but I do, I, I, you know, I try to dip into, you know, men like Dr. King, um, you know, during these dark nights of the soul, because, mm. um, because, you know, it's, it's, there need to be people that we can look to that, you know, that, that didn't always have the answers, mm. but they found that they found the courage. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's really ultimately, I think what it is, it's that, you know, we're all going to feel self-doubt, you know, and it's one of the things that I think is really hard for a lot of guys is to push past their self-doubt yeah. and to have the courage to stay the course. That's it. That's so it. many parts of our lives we we give in to self-doubt. Yeah. Because because we don't we don't want to look like we're not in control. We don't want to we don't want to look like we don't have our shit together. Yeah. We don't want to look like we don't have the answers. <clears throat> because as you know, self-doubt is is a very vulnerable place, but it's yeah. also a very generative and a very fertile place, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think those are the things that, like, you know, as you, I mean, I'm always inspired by authors because I, I have a dream of writing a book, right? And I think, like, sometimes I wish the dream would go away because I'm not writing it. <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> right. I wish the dream, <laughs> like, can you please go somewhere else? But I, but I ultimately <laughs> know that it's calling me. And I think, like, I get to the computer and I'm like, okay, I'm going to write. And I'm just like, and I've been like really pushing myself around, pushing through the self-doubt, pushing. Yeah. It's going to be hard. It's a, I think, uh, Stephen Pressfield says it's the war of art, right? Yeah. Yeah. The war with your art. Like you're going to have to go to war with the things that are going to, it's going to feel much better to paint that wall today than sit down and do that writing. But the writing is what's calling you. The painting is just a distraction. 
right? And I think that That's right. I just got to continue going to war with that, uh, with that doubt, my own doubt. Like, why are you doubting yourself, Ashanti? Why are you? What are you afraid of? What are you? What are you running from? And that's my per my, my personal work that I've been pushing to. So, thank you for sharing that. No, thank you. Thank you for writing your book. I mean, you, you inspired me. So I appreciate you for the work you're doing and for the work you're going to continue to do. And I invite you in your class to like make masks. I'll send you, you know, we create this movement out of that documentary. So if you look here, this is the million, it's called the million mask movement. Our goal yep. is to collect a million masks from around the world. And just like you and I just made a mask here, everyone yep. mask adds us getting us one step closer. And so you know, if if it fits in, please, we'll send you cards. We'll send it you does. these cards, and whether your yeah, kids, no, it, it absolutely fits in. You know, it absolutely does. And just just as a quick aside, so when I teach this course, it's usually about three quarters young women. It's not even mostly young guys. You probably won't be surprised to hear that. Um, but even with the young women, you know, they they've even been raised in a, in a culture today where everything is so competitive that that they don't even feel like they can be vulnerable. Yeah. You know, so even yeah. to do it with them, I think yeah. would even would even would even be you know would even hit pay dirt. Yeah, and it's it's anonymous. They're anonymous. So the idea of them is to create a space where we can first just start to look at the mask, the emotional yeah. mask, and then recognize, wow, we're not we're not we're not we're not alone. Like we're that's right. Right. We all have, and the question for each is is to say, well, part of our work is to can we if we're care enough, do we find one person that we really care about and ask them if we can go there with them because everyone's not, everyone's not deserve and everyone shouldn't know about your, all your masks, but maybe there's one, I think we all need at least one to like, yeah. So, well, Absolutely. you know what, Andrew, listen, I want to thank you for making this conversation. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your mask with me. Thank you for the work you're doing and the work you're going to continue to do. Um, will you let folks know, or is there any last thing that you want to tell folks? I mean, I think I want to make, I'm going to give you a chance to like share how they can follow you and find you, but is there anything else in this topic that you want to last message you want to leave with folks? Yeah, I just, you know, I really think that, um, uh, I, I think there's really two messages, you know, you know, for, one of the things that, and believe me, I completely understand where a lot of this frustration and, and anger comes from. I know a lot of women, and especially younger women, younger women are very angry, you know, with a lot of men. Um, and that's totally, a lot of it is, is completely understood, you know, and, and unfortunately well-earned. But one of the things that and I was saying this earlier in the conversation around the topic of toxic masculinity, I really feel like we need to have more conversations, more thoughtful, respectful conversations around topics like this and have women involved in them. Because I feel like there's a lot of, um, a lot of kind of um, just gross labeling going on that, that is, with a lot of boys and young men especially feel that they can't really speak up because they really don't have the, the mic for it mm. and they'll get, they'll get flamed on social media if they try to speak up. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of things that a lot of boys and young men have questions about that they would like to talk about around this topic. Yeah. And then the other thing I'd say is, you know, regarding, you know, those of us who identify as, as male, um, really it's, 
you know, as somebody who has come out the other end of this crucible of this fire, you know, and spent a lot of his life working to liberate himself from a lot of the the things that that hold us back as men. Yeah. I can tell you that, you know, when you come out the other side, nothing has ever felt more powerful, more liberating and lighter than when you find ways and they can be small ways. Yeah. To to access your deeper, truer emotional self and you integrate it and that that's that's the path to authenticity. Yeah. Huge. Huge. Yeah. And I think that's um you just gave me an idea that I'm gonna I'm gonna work on. I think one of the things that Good. I've been talking to one of our colleagues about is, um, you know, these conversations on this podcast have been w- with men, but I think that there's something to be said about where about having conversation with with women around these masks as well, and maybe even I, I have a colleague who I think would be great for in beginning those conversations with women. Um, she is a uh, yeah, so you just get you give me an idea that, that we're gonna we've been thinking about this year, twenty twenty two, is how we begin to grow this movement, and our vision is to hit a million this year in twenty twenty two. So, with Excellent. you talking to your students and those women in those classes, and finding more men who are willing to have these conversations, we don't run from them, who don't see the name of the class and the syllabus, and like, nah, I'm not going in there, right? For those who like. Oh no, we need to have this conversation. Oh, I've been waiting for this conversation. Like I got yeah. something to offer this conversation. Yep. Uh, I'm excited. And if ever that can offer words in that conversation, please let me know. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and please, same goes, same for me. Please, please let me know as well. And I absolutely will. Right on. Well, folks, thank yeah, you man. so much for being a part of this, taking off the mass experience. Another two yeah. men coming together to recognize there's more to us than we would ever know just by looking at each other. Oftentimes we make judgment with our eyes and we miss it. So I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for taking off your mask with me, Andrew. And um, please tell folks how they can follow you, find you, um, where they can find your book, like where are the best places for people to to find you in the world? Sure, absolutely. Thanks, Ashanti. So um, for the book, for Better Boys, Better Men, um, I mean, the easiest place, you know, of course, is just on Amazon. Um, uh, uh you know, you of course contact a bookseller if you have one. If they don't have it in stock, I'm sure they can order it. But um, probably the quickest, easiest way at this point, unfortunately, is is Amazon. The easiest, quickest way to get it. Um, uh, you can find me. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I've really just kind of slowly been doing Twitter because I, I've always had a lot of trepidation about Twitter because it can just be so toxic at times. Um, but I've gotten, you know, I'm slowly, slowly a little bit more on Twitter now. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, uh, uh, I've got a, um, uh, a Reiner at Towson.edu for email always works. Um, Andrew, um, Andrew Reiner author.com for a website. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm out there happy. I'm happy, happy to talk always. And thank you. Listen, Ashanti, thank you so much for having me on. Really. I, I'm so honored to be on and I just love the conversation, man. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm excited for more. I think this is just the beginning and we'll I put all so. these, um, all your um, contact in the show notes so people you can go there and click and find Andrew. And uh, I, I think we will be talking again. I have a feeling we're going to so. be talking again. So thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. You too, Ashante. Take, take good care. You too. 
Making of the Mess podcast is produced by Ryan Louie. Editing videography is also by Ryan Louie. Graphics by Kelly Wong. And a special thanks to the team at Ever Forward, Vanessa Cortez and Kevin Romero. And I'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast as we hit this one-year anniversary. We hope that everyone who's been a part knows that they're a part of the Taking Off the Mask experience. And we look forward to you being a part of it as well. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe, and share. And we look forward to us continuing to offer conversations that matter. Take care. See you soon.